I that right there. And uh, how many enjoy these sweetest singers? Let's see your hands. I know we all do. And uh, that's just fine. And I just love to hear him. I think he he's wonderful, both of them. All right, brother. Excellent. I like to sing a little song. In fact, I've been singing that song all day today. I like the message of it. Tenderly he watches over you. Every step, every mile of the way. Nothing happened. So I thought, well, something must be wrong. 
And sure enough, all of a sudden they just went out and left Greenland, their field. And the captain of the ship came and sat down right beside me and said, I'm going to tell you just the matter. We, have, have, we are having some trouble. The landing gear is not working at all. And the only thing we can do now, he said, is to try to get down to Scotland. I hope we have gasoline enough to take us down there. We, uh, it would be closer, he said, to go to Iceland, but they are having a snowstorm right now there, and it's impossible to crash land. That's what we're going to do, he said. I'm telling you right off, the truth is that it's not working. I've never had any experience like that before. But I just hope it will go all right, he said. And in Scotland, he said, we have the, the ground is not frozen. We have soft lawns there and good service, ambulances, hospitals, and so on. <laughs> And then he left me. I sat for a while and I was thinking of so many things that went through my mind. I thought of my dear wife, my family, so many things that I should have done and have not. I said to myself, if this is going to be the end, well, I'm ready because I'm saved. I'm ready to go right home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I started to pray. I said, well, God, I know you're able to do anything and everything. So I started to pray. I prayed the Lord, if thy will to take me, take me down to Europe, please do so. And I committed my life into his hands. And you know, Brother Branham, as I was sitting there, I said, well, I don't know. But the thought went through my mind, I said, my God, I have just been together with Brother Brandon. Maybe we could have him to pray so that I could go down safely down. Well, the thought just went through my mind. And then something happened that very seldom happened to me when I was lying. I went to sleep. And I slept. Two or three hours, and when I woke up, they were gathering everything that was loose in the cabin, put it in the, uh, the uh, small rooms there, toilet rooms. Nothing was allowed to be loose at the landing, crash landing. And uh, they told me to put my glasses away, and everybody was told to tighten the seat belt very good and everyone got a pillow to keep before his head and then we went down and I was kind of wondering so I was looking down and there was the airfield underneath we were in Scotland it was dark middle of the night and well, I was sitting there praying to God that he would protect me. Tenderly he watches over you. Every step, every mile of the way. And all of a sudden I, I heard that noise again. 
A very familiar noise when the landing gear goes down, there was that click, and I knew it was, they were right again, they were working, it was working. And sure enough, the captain came in, and he said, you don't need to worry anymore, it's working, he said. Praise the Lord. And we get down, and I certainly felt good when I came down on the ground again. Looking at Stockholm, I met my sister there, and she said, What was the matter with you uh, last night? Because I was, I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Lord told me to pray for you. Well, I'll tell you what I said, right? Then we were in a very dangerous position. But the Lord answered prayer. Amen. Long Yes. Let no fear loud and broad. He will not forsake you now. Amen. I think I see that part again. I like that song very much. Long before I began, you were part of his life. Let no fear cloud your brow. He will not forsake you just don't happen. Takes God to do that, doesn't it? If God hadn't been with our brother, he wouldn't have been here singing with us tonight. But as he said, it's all in God's plan. He just somehow has it all planned out. He just wants us to trust him and rely upon him like children would rely upon their parents. He always brings it to pass. And I'm so happy that he did. For these brother Wormel and brother uh, Egbert both has been really inspirations in my life. They're singing over in their lovely country, Sweden, where they came from. A few years ago, I was in there with the campaign, and how the Lord did so wonderfully bless us and great services. Across Finland, just where we were, the little boy was raised from the dead, and that went throughout all the nations there, and. We just had a marvelous time. Hoping to go back sometime and see those fine Swedish friends of ours over across the sea. Someday we're going to rise up on the wings of a, a great speckled bird and land in a place where we won't have to return anymore. Isn't that right? We're looking for that time. Now, as the days grow on, our we expect our crowds to increase to a place where we'll start our healing services. We just come in and kind of jump in overnight here for this service, and they put up our tent, 
Brother Oregon Bright and the brother just left the platform. I can't think of his name half the time. Mendenhall. And others, and they, we just uh, threw up the tent here, and we planned it last year when we were in Germany, and I believe I met a brother who shook my hand just now that translated one of my books into German. And uh, so we really appreciate that, my dear brother. And we certainly had a warm welcome with the German people. And I have to say something about German too. My wife's a German, so I have to kind of be a little careful. And me being an Irishman, so he had to marry a German to kind of keep him straight, you know. <laughs> so uh, uh, we enjoyed our services there immensely. And the Lord blessed us. And we went out into Switzerland. That's just part of Germany. They speak, I think, about the same language. And so we had some fine things down there the Lord did for us. 50,000 souls in 10 nights, I think it was. Come back up into Germany and lose on another about 50,000 souls to Christ. And I don't know what's the matter with America. I just wonder sometimes. And um, it's like the other nations are just sort of step right out now, first thing you know, and step in for the first fruits of it. And only until our crowd builds up enough to have a healing service. And my services is very much of a strain on me because it's vision. And most of the time it's a massive healing. I've seen the time where thousands were sitting. There wouldn't even be a feeble one left in the bunch. And it's, uh, we'd like to, when we have to, have the services that uh, not if we I've had a healing service would be one person doesn't matter but we just like to take a few nights talking and I have trying to on these services to try to to bring to the people what I think is needed amongst the people today I'm not a teacher I'm not much of a theologian I haven't any education but uh, I, someone, I might say this, I don't know too much about the book, but I know the author real well, so that's, uh, I, I like to be acquainted with him, you know. And so, uh, in doing so, I'm trying to place out something for the embitterment, and believing after seeing America with its great opportunities it's had, uh, for revival, and yet it continually gets worse. So... It alarms me. This is my land, and I was born here, and I love it. And I, I'm wanting to see a great revival in my day, if, if we can. Now, I can't bring that great revival. And no minister can, but we can put in our parts while God brings it. And each one of us has a part to play. Last night, I was speaking on fellowship. And tonight, I would like to speak on an inside life with Christ. And tomorrow night, if God is willing, I never have nothing premeditated. It just has to kind of, as you feel led, because I don't preach from notes and just as I receive it. I would like to speak on where I think that the Pentecostal church made its mistake uh, tomorrow night, if the Lord willing. That's foreannouncing something that I don't know will uh, do, but I just... Hope that the Lord permits it. 
And you bear with me, if you will. I'm uh, trying my best to, if I could only see the people of the, this great move of God, to my opinion, we have one thing in common, and that is, that's Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And each one of us, regardless of what church we belong to, ought to be working together to that interest to try to see people, whether they are belong to our certain church or not, to see them um, saved and to see them do right with God. There has been many times that thousands of people of different denominations, I have never tried to say you just go to this denomination because I believe every one of them has, they are trying or to do what's right and the best of their knowledge. They have uh, been taught certain things. Maybe some walk a little deeper than the others. And if you see someone who can walk a little deeper than you do, I, or if I see someone, I wouldn't try to stand in his way if I can't walk where Joshua did or where uh, Enoch did and take a little stroll one afternoon with God and just got tired of living along here and just walked on home with him. One afternoon, if I can't walk like that, I wouldn't want to stand somebody else's way that can walk like that. I want to help them to go on. So that's, uh, that's the motives we want to have. So uh, just keep bringing out the people and tell them about the healing service will be taking place in a night or two now. And then we'll, of course, once started, it's in a cycle of vision. And they keep me off in a room to myself, and I'll explain it later when we get in that part. And today we're trying to pull for a unity of the body of Christ and for a coming together of sinners finding their position and place in Christ Jesus. And tonight, for just a little text, if we would call it, and try to bring out some of the context, won't keep you long, about 30, 40 minutes, and... Then, tomorrow night, don't forget, I want to try, if God willing, by the Scriptures, every, I'm a fundamentalist, everything must come from the Scripture. And I wouldn't say I wouldn't believe it, but I wouldn't understand it just right if it wasn't from the Scripture. And if any time, during the time of the, the phenomenal part of the healing services, if any person, whatever you belong to, what church, if you ever see anything that's questioned, and it's, uh, if we do hear that's not in the Scripture, well, then you, you come to me, because I certainly want to say right in this book, because this is the foundation, and all Scripture and all operations of the Holy Spirit must come from the Bible. Uh, and then I believe it. Now, he could do something that wasn't in the Bible, it still be God, but I'll understand it better if it comes right from the Bible. I, I kind of like it that way, because I know that it's right then. Now, over in the book of Hebrews, in the... Uh, the 10th chapter, and beginning with the 19th verse, I read just uh, for a portion of Scripture, about the 19th and 20th verses. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Now, may the Lord add his blessings to this reading of the word. Now, uh, shall we bow our heads just a moment for prayer? And a brother it, it, uh, brought me a little note just a few moments ago. I didn't get to read it. 
It's concerning a little lady here tonight that's got a someone or friend or someone in the hospital that's real, real sick. A baby or a child or something is near death. Now let us together agree that God will stay the hand of death for that baby or whatever it is, what loved one it may be. He can do it, friends. Just right over across the valley here, they brought me a little dead baby here a few years ago. You remember San Bernardino? Been dead since that morning. And just lay in my body and went praying. Not my body, had nothing to do with it, but prayer to Jesus. The little baby woke up and come to life. So let's bow our heads now for prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come to thee tonight in the name of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus, knowing this, that he has promised us that whatever we would ask thee in his name, we would receive, and knowing that we have no virtue in our own, nothing that we could offer, just coming on his merits alone. We come to ask this favor of thee, Father, that is, first, forgive us of all of our sins, our trespasses against thee, the things that we've done or said that wasn't right. We pray, Father, that the blood of thy Son, the Lord Jesus, will cleanse us just now from all unrighteousness. Every evil thought that's passed through our minds, may it be forgiven. Anything that would hinder the meeting tonight in any way, or the things that we ask, we pray that you forgive us. And now, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit take a hold of the word tonight. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And get into the word, we pray tonight, Father, and open every heart and sink the seed deeply. Grant it, Lord. Give us a real foundation that when we start to pray for the sick, that may this country have the greatest shaking it's ever seen in the history of the land. Grant it, Lord, not because that we're here, but because we want you to receive glory, Father. Do it, won't you? And tonight, the little lady sends this note. God, I don't know her, thou dost. Is someone real sick laying in a hospital almost dead? Won't you send the angel of mercy down? And may it live the person because of someone so sincere to come and ask. Grant it, Lord. May, may the prayer change things. One time we read in this scripture, Father, where that you sent your prophet up and told a man by the name of Hezekiah he's going to die. But he turned his face to the wall and wept bitterly and said, Lord, I beseech thee. Consider me, I walked before you with a perfect heart. He wanted 15 years to his life. And God, you spoke to your prophet and sent him right back and said, Tell him, I heard him. From death to life, because prayer changes things. Once more, God, tonight, friend, made that one live. Bless the one who brought the message and all the others in here that's sick and needy and throughout the lands tonight be with them. And now, Father, we pray that you'll hide your unprofitable servant behind the word. May the word go forward now and sink into the hearts, for we ask it in Jesus' name, thy beloved Son. Amen. Now may the Lord 
bless you each tonight. And now, <clears throat> pray sincerely, and not only pray, but believe that you receive what you pray for. Now, many times people have thought, oh, if I just had more faith, I, I doubt that. You got enough faith, you just need a little more knowledge to know what to do with your faith, that's all. You got faith enough. You just ought to know how to put it to work. That's right. It'll do it. I don't believe there's a one of you in here that lack enough faith tonight to be healed no matter what was wrong with you, if you just know the right way to get to it. And now, we're speaking on a life that's consecrated. Last night I talked to you on fellowship. Through the blood, how God brought man back to fellowship through the blood. And tonight, I want to talk on a hidden life in Christ. Now, any Bible student knows that in the Old Testament, there was the courts of the tabernacle. It was the outer courts, the veil, the holy place, and the holiest of holies. Those things, all in teaching the scripture... Being a typologist, I always like to type the the old with the new, or give my audience so that some of them maybe are not very well read. And it'll, but by teaching on typology, you can type and see the shadow, the old shadow and the new. And then it's a story form. You can't hardly forget it then because it comes to you just like unfolding something. Now, in the Old Testament, being a type of the new and the works of the inward courts of the tabernacle was a beautiful picture of God's plan of salvation for his mankind today. And if we can only learn by this now and how to get ourselves in the condition to receive what God has in store for us, it'll just sweep the whole valley here. See? But don't you think it's better to always know how and what you're coming for? You got to know the way of approach to anything? I've prayed for kings in my day, and I notice how they taking the cuffs out of my trouser legs and when I walked before the king and they told me not to turn my back on him but when I left the back up and it's a certain way of approach otherwise you'd be called down in the courts of the land when you want to speak to the judge you just don't holler hey judge I talk to you a minute see you've got to come a provided way appropriated way judge your honor and so forth. And we must meet God upon his appropriated, provided plan of how we must approach him. And if we can only approach him through that plan and get it right, we are sure to get an audience with God. Now, in the Old Testament, there was what they call the outer courts. We watched what was in the outer courts. Then there was a holy place, or the first veil, and then inside the holiest of holies. And what furniture was in the outer courts, what was in the, at the veil, the holy place, and what was in the holiest of holies. 
Now we're going to speak tonight on the holiest of holies, the dwelling place where God himself dwelt. Them days he dwelt in his tabernacle, and today he dwells in you as his tabernacle. But we must uh, make this place of dwelling not an outer court place or the first uh, holiest place, but we must live with God in the holiest of holies, a consecrated, hidden life, alone, quiet with God. We become too excited, upset about too many things. It shows there's something lacking. The church ought to be a million miles up the road to what it is now. We're still back down in the adolescent age, fussing and fighting and quarreling and stewing when we are to be consecrated, hid away in the holiest of holies with God. It's better that we come easy, take our time, see where we're going. Now, in the uh, just like God living in those three courts. He surely lived in the court of the congregation. He lived at the, he also lived here at the holy place. But his abiding place, this was just attributes of his presence from the holiest of holy. Now, it's just like you. If you notice the Bible, mathematically speaking, three is God's perfected number. God is perfected in three. The Godhead is perfected in three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God. And, and the dispensations are perfected in three. And three, sevens, twelves, twenty-fours, forties, and fifties is God's mathematical numbers that runs completely through the Scripture. And notice, now you yourself, you're perfected in three. Soul, body, spirit. Water, blood, and spirit. Three things come from his body that makes up the new birth. These three things that come from his body makes up the new birth. Water, blood, spirit. Same thing it takes to make a natural birth. I've got a mixed audience, but you listen to your doctor. I'm your brother. When a baby's born a natural birth, the first thing's water, then blood, then life, spirit. And that's the same thing it takes to make up the new birth. Water, blood, and spirit. Justification by faith. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Cleansing up the sanctification through the blood and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit to put you in the holiest of holies. Now, that constitutes the, the man who is separated from God and hid away in Christ. I say this with reverence. There's too many of us playing in the courts yet. We don't take our lives over with Christ to be hid away. The fruits of the Spirit proves it, you see, that we might think that we are, but until your life measures up with that, that's what proves it. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them, not by their denominations, but by their fruit you shall know them. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience, Meekness, temperance, fruits of the Spirit. God knows today that what the holiness people need 
and also the Calvinists, all of them need today is more fruit of the Spirit, more lives to prove. We've had many testimonies, but as the old saying is, your life speaks aloud, I can't hear your voice. We are written epistles of God, read of all man. It's not, here some time ago there was an evangelist came to town, and a man said, oh, come very much enthused, said, hear this man. He said, well, I would love to do it, but said, you know, tonight we got church at our own church. And said, I will go tomorrow night with you. He said, oh, you can, you can go next week. He said, but we have services at our own church. He said, and uh, I'll go tomorrow night to hear the man. He said, oh, but this is a, a real good man. He said, he's a wonderful speaker. And he said, well, I don't doubt one word that you're saying, but what, he's a wonderful man. But said, you know, I live next door to my pastor. See what I mean? It's your life. We may be ever so orthodox, and that's where I think a lot of our trouble is here in California. We're just too orthodox. <laughs> I think that's right. Ever so orthodox, but the letter is all right, but it killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And get the right Spirit that giveth the right kind of life. See, you must have the right life. And now... In the outer, just like in you and your life here on earth, you live in a three-room house. Did you know that? Oh, you say, Brother Brown, am I different with you? No, you don't. You just live in a three-room house. You might have, you got a kitchen, you got a living room, you got a bedroom. Or you might have three or four bedrooms and two or three kitchens, but you still just live in that three. That's what you make use of. Notice, that's right. Well, God lived in the three-room house back in his tabernacle. The congregation, the courts of the congregation, the holy place, and the holiest of holies. And now, them three rooms, what represents, just like the steps you come to the place of full consecration with Christ. The kitchen is where you eat. The sinner comes to the meeting, he feasts on the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing of the Word. He comes to hear the Word. And many times we substitute so much instead of the Word. Especially today. We're substituting phenomenal. We're substituting uh, a lot of other things that shouldn't be. After all, church is for preaching the Word. Testimonies are fine, and different things that we do is wonderful. But we must give the Word first place because it's for the sinner. And for the people who has the Holy Spirit also. Jesus said, when Satan tempted him, he said, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See? The Holy Spirit feeds on the Word of God. The Holy, He takes the Word and places it into your heart, and it makes you grow in strength. Good Bible exposits. And I love it. I love to sit in here a good Bible teacher who takes the Bible and lays it out. Then the Spirit of kindness and meekness with it, which takes root in good soft ground and goes to growing. Now we eat in the kitchen. That's the sinner who comes to hear the Word. Faith cometh by hearing. After he hears the word, 
then he becomes into the fellowship of the church. If he hears the word and receives it, then you baptize him, Christian baptism, and that brings him into fellowship. Then he gets out there into the congregation. And that's where you come into your parlor, where you come from the kitchen to the parlor to have fellowship with your neighbors and so forth. Fellowship in the parlor. But then your bedroom is your place of rest. And after the call of the weary day, always alone in the room, resting. At my house, the prayer room is a bedroom. Many times I've went into the little old homes and see them mothers and so forth come out of the bedroom with a little old checkered apron on, wiping her eyes, a crying, praying, secret place, meeting place, alone with God, isolated. Oh, it's a marvelous place to be. And when a man ever takes his life out of these other places into that consecrated place with Christ, notice, every year the high priest entered into that place, the congregation followed him up, and when he went into this great place where the veil dropped behind him, the inner courts, the holiest of holies, no one dared to go after him. Then he was alone with God. What a beautiful picture it is today of a consecrated life who once enters into with Christ, dead to the things of the world, hid away with God, and the veils dropped down around and all the world shut off. Then Christianity and religion becomes a pleasure to every believer. Today people just have enough religion to make them miserable. Knowing that they ought to do this, they're trying to escape hell. Well, if that's the way I felt about it, brother, I don't know what I would do. Oh, get in with Christ. Shut off from the things of the world. For to commune with Him is a pleasure. It's beautiful. It's something that fills and satisfies the soul. Hallelujah. Something that gives you peace that passes all understanding. All the crosses become flying wings. All the burdens are chariot wheels. (laughs) Oh, you can fly away. My burdens are light. Yoke up with him. The yoke is all padded with hallelujahs. When you're once inside the veil with him, he becomes your life. The prophet said that in the people of the old days that he would write his laws anew. He would put them in their heart. Now Mount Sinai was a place of duty. But Mount Calvary was a place of, of grace. People are still trying to live on Mount Sinai. If I'll go to church, if I'll pay my dues, if I'll do this or do that, if I'll quit this and stop that, that's still on Mount Sinai. When you come to a place where you are dead in your life, it's hitting God through Christ, sealed by the Holy Ghost, the whole Christian life becomes a great, glorious shout and a hallelujah to you, and you're hit away daily. Now, 
We notice that once in there, he was isolated from the world. The curtains dropped around him, and he was hid away with God. Everything become real, a glory. In this place where we once get hid away with Christ, everything becomes a new thing to us then. We think that it was in this place here that, that Aaron's rod was kept. In there also come the manna. Manna, we'll have to go back to the Old Testament to pick up this thought of manna. Manna fell to keep the children of Israel alive while they were in their pilgrimage between Egypt and the Promised Land, which was a beautiful type of the church today in its pilgrimage from Egypt to the Promised Land. Do you believe we're on a road to a Promised Land? Canaan didn't represent heaven because he had wars in Canaan. Canaan represented the millennium. So we're on our road to the millennium. And as God promised to supply all their needs along the road, He's promised to supply all our needs along the road. And as soon as they crossed over the separating line of the Red Sea, God... When they had need of bread, he rained it out of heaven. When they need need of healing, God had Moses to erect a serpent. When they had need of meat, he caused the wind to blow in the, the fowls. He always will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord's provided sacrifice. He's Jehovah Rabbi, the Lord's healer. And he always will provide. And in this day, God's just as obligated to us as he was to them. And as he led them in the natural, he's leading the church today in the spiritual, to the promised land. Everything we need is promised to us, and we'll get it if we'll just keep journeying on, keeping our eyes on God. I want you to notice, when the people went out and eat the manna, which was a type of Christ who came down and gave his life, but the people who ate the manna in the morning, if you didn't keep up with it, that manna got old during the day. Now that's a sign or type of the people, the regenerated man, who comes to Christ, gives his life in, but never becomes hid away into the Holy Spirit. He lives a life that he knows he's eaten manna. There's many people today that never went any farther. Then the outer court, the veil. Yet there are Christians, they're by the millions. They enjoy Christ in an outward form. They go to church with the consolation of knowing they belong to church, but they have never become hid away with him in the inner courts. But out there they eat manna. But watch, when you eat that manna, if you didn't watch before the day was over, that manna dwindled away. And that's the way it is with people who just simply dawdle around on the outside and maybe enjoy eating the manna. The manna is a type of the Holy Spirit. When God gave the manna for this journey, when he gave it in the other journey, it was to last them all the way through the journey. And it was a very beautiful type of Pentecost. And when God called his church out and gave them the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he poured out the Spirit from on high upon the church, and it was to last them through every generation until Jesus comes. Right. That's the manna for the church today. The manna of the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, as they cross through the waters and come on the other side for their journey, the Holy Spirit poured down the manna and fed them natural. It kept them in a natural life. And as a person dies out to self, crosses over into the on his journey to the promised land, God pours out the Holy Spirit today. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, he said, This is that which is spoken of the prophet Joel. And it'll come to pass in the last day, it says, God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And when he preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and people were shouting and making demonstrations, they were pricked in their hearts, the Jews, the standard-bys, and said, Man and brethren, what can we do to be saved? Peter said, Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children, and to them as far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What did he mean? The baptism of the Holy Ghost that was poured out on the day of Pentecost was to be to you and to your children and to them as far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. When the manna was first poured out, God told Moses, Now this will dry up during the day. But said, now you go out and get a golden omer, make it full of this manna, and put it in the holiest of holies, that every, all down through your generations, that when a man entered into the veil behind the holiest of holies and become a priest, he had a right to take a mouthful of the original manna that fell in the beginning, a beautiful type of today, when Peter said, it's to you and to your children. Them it's far off. Now we don't have to get some kind of a makeup, some kind of emotional, mental makeup. We don't have to take something the devil to hand down. But every believer that comes from the altar to the consecrated life to the baptism of the Holy Ghost can get not only a mouthful but a soulful of the original baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost that will bring the same result as it did on the day of Pentecost. Amen. For the promises of your children and your children's children and of them as far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Brethren, the same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost that brought them results then will bring the same results to every believer tonight that's willing to consecrate their life to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of the Lord Jesus. It'll break down traditions. It'll change man's heart. It'll melt you into one person in Christ Jesus. Send an old-fashioned sweeping revival across this country. Amen. What we need today, we need an old-fashioned, God-sent, heaven-bought, Holy Ghost-brought revival. Not just a little bitty shaking up or a little emotional workup but an old-fashioned, dying-out, self-consecrating? Hallelujah! Backwood, sky-blue, sin-killing religion! Amen. It won't whitewash you, it'll wash you white. The devil will whitewash everything that he can, but God washes white. And that's what we need today is an old-fashioned, God-sent revival that'll just Break down the hearts of the people and bring all these denominations into one great big unified group for the glory of God. That's what the church is in need of today. 
and it'll shake not only California, it'll shake the nation. And the reason we're not getting anywhere today is because we've got too many dry-eyed professions and church joining lukewarm backsliding church members. That's the truth. We need more of the old-fashioned, God-sent St. Paul's revival in the Bible, Holy Ghost. The power in breaking up to make people act different and look different, walk different, talk different, and be different, and live different in their everyday life. We need it, friends. The Methodists need it. The Baptists need it. The Pentecostals need it. They all need it. Right. We take on to the wrong side. We go at the wrong thing. The Holy Spirit was to continue on through each generation. Moses, when he put that great pot in there, this sometimes this bread that left outside. People get the camp ground cramped sometimes. I think that's what's the matter with our church today. We got too many of those layovers. That's right. Some people just eat enough for manna to make them right good and uh, hungry for some more. And for one revival to another, and you have to go out and get renewed again. Oh, brother, why don't you stop that nonsense and come into the holiest of holies by the blood of the Lord Jesus? Every bit of manna outside of here just lets you last for tonight or tomorrow. Next week it won't work. It dries up overnight. But if you'll ever consecrate yourself to come into where the manna stays fresh day in and day out, year in and year out, in the holiest of holies, you can meet that man that's ever walked in there. I don't care if he hasn't been in revival for six months. He's just as sweet as he was the day he was in the revival. Right. You can meet him on a shouty day or a cloudy day or whatever you want to. He's just the same. Because he's living in the glory of God. He's living where the man is fresh all the time. For it is a burden to get out and pray through today and pray through tomorrow. Brother, stay with him all the time. In the holiest of holies. Can a person live that way? Absolutely. That's what Jesus died for. Amen. Watch. There's where they put Aaron's rod. Not out there in the outer courts. They put it in here on the inside to select who would be what priesthood. I know that speaks directly of Christ, but it also types of the sinner. You take a man that's diddled all along in church all of his life and still dead in sin and trespasses. But when that man was on the outside, that old rod, it was just an ordinary stick. And it would have been carried along in Aaron's hand until it was dried up. There was no life in it. That's a man that's cut off from God. That's a man that's without Christ. That's a man maybe a member of a church, but knows no more about God than a hot and top would know about Egyptian night. Walking along, oh, I belong to church. He was in Aaron's hand, yeah. He was used, but dead. And when that rod was put into the holiest of holies, into the consecrated place of God in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know what happened? It budded and blossomed and yielded almonds all in one night. Hallelujah! That's what we need today, is a picking up and taking beyond church membership into the holiness and the presence and the consecration of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It budded. What was it? The life that it ought to be, it was dead. It's just like a tent pole there. But if it was a tree, it was an almond tree, all right, but it was dead. There's many people tonight professing Christianity who's dead, who doesn't bear any fruits. There's nothing in their life. They seem to be helpless, hopeless. They wander along just knowing that they belong to church. And that's not only in Presbyterian, Lutheran, and so forth. That's in Pentecostal. That's right. It's the truth. What you need today is come in before Christ. Look what happened. Now, the first thing it had to, it had to be uh, uh, refreshed to bring forth buds. It budded out. Not only did it bud, but it brought forth blossoms. Not only did it blossom, but it brought forth fruit. And that's the way you will be, or every believer that throws his self the outside, the, out of the outer courts into the veil where Christ is and hides your life away. You'll be refreshed, but it blossoms and bear fruits of the Spirit. Amen. You'll be a worker in your community. You'll be a soul winner for Jesus. You'll be a new person. Old things will pass away. Tradition of man will pale. But your heart will be burning with the love of God. Inside this place where they took this old rod and laid it there, in the presence of God, God living in the glory over the cherubims, that rod all happened at once. And brother and sister, to a life that's consecrated and laid before God, it'll change it as certain as I'm standing at this platform tonight. It'll take all the fight out of you. It'll take all the difference out of you. It'll take all the, the isms out of you. It'll make you a real Christian if you'll just get into his presence. Watch what's taking place of freshening, to be refreshed. Notice the dew falls at nighttime. The world settles down. They're active in nature through the day. The tarls and the junks and the tarls. But when everything quietens down, then what happens? The dew falls. Of a morning, did you ever get up real early? Get out real early and smell that fresh air? How it is and how refreshing everything is. The dew has fell. Oh, brother, sister, if the only thing you know is go to church, if the only thing you know is you joined or was baptized or something like that, why not hide your life away with Christ? Get alone in the quietness, away from that world and all of its cares, and settle down and watch what a refreshing will come. You know, Isaiah spoke of it one time. He said, precip must be upon precip and line upon line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Hold fast to that what's good. With stammering lips and other tongues will I speak to this people. And this is the Sabbath or the refreshing that should come from the presence of the Lord. How that they was refreshed before in the presence. Notice another thing. Once in the presence of God, you get quiet. You're not tossed about by everything. You know where you're standing. There's something happened. You know that you're a real Christian. You know that you've been in contact with somebody that loves you. You know that something's happened down here. And it's refreshing. And not only that, but you'll, be, you'll refresh others. You've seen people that was nice people, but you just couldn't hardly stand to be around them. 
There's something about them. They've got a creative power around them that just seems to be different. How I'd like to stop here, if it's possible, and tell you some things on that. You're a little creator yourself. He said he'd give you a new spirit. Now, that spirit isn't God's spirit. That's your spirit. God gives you a new spirit. Then he says, I'll put my spirit in him. But the thing God has to do is give you a new spirit, make your nature a little more gentle and settle down, or he couldn't even live with you. So he has to get you fixed up first before he can come in. I'll give you a new spirit. Didn't you take him anywhere? You go all kinds of places. He's got to get you fixed so you can entertain him right. So that's when you're on the first altar. But when you hide away, you get his spirit. Then the Holy Spirit, none other than God himself, comes and dwells in you. And then there's something about you. The neighbor loves you. The people like you. Now, no matter how much you shout or how much you try to do, if you haven't got a life that your neighbor knows that you're a Christian, there's something wrong somewhere. Now, now let's just come down to truth now. You know that's right. There's nobody in the world believes in any old time of old time shouting and blessing God and praising God than I do. I believe it. I believe that a baby that's born and it don't move and it don't whimper, it don't do nothing. You know what the doctor usually do? He picks him up by the heels and gives him a little spanking and he gets some breath in him. And I think that's what's the matter at the church tonight when people say, yes, I'm born again. You know what it is? It's a stillborn dead baby. It needs a little gospel spanking once in a while that'll wake it up and get it to whine and crying. That's right. Get some life in it. That's what we need tonight. That's what the church needs. And then get him set on the right path. That's right. Notice. Now, the refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Something about him. Something about a real Christian that you love to be around. Don't you do it? And there's a power there. After I get to know you a little better, I want to tell you some things that I know that happen. See? You create your own uh, atmosphere around you. You believe that? You sure do. Many of you have read my book, That Man Sent from God. Remember the night the maniac run to the platform to kill me up here at Portland, Oregon? You read the story, no doubt. Nights everywhere. What happened? Well, that poor fellow, I didn't get angry with him. I loved him. Something happened, I love him. He was out there, about 250 or 60 pounds. Great big, near six foot and a half. Said, I'll break every bone in your body. He could do it. But I didn't hate him. I loved him. I felt sorry for him. He was bound. I didn't have to scream. I said, Satan, come out of the man. And he fell on the floor. And that was it. That was all. Here's some, I was a game warden for years in Indiana. Many of you know that. One day I've been down turning some fish loose in a little creek, and I was preaching. I was a local Baptist pastor. Over across the, the way was a sick man. Well, we're supposed to pack a gun. I never did see any use in packing a gun to shoot somebody with, so I, I just left it in a truck. And so I thought, I'll go over and pray for this brother. And down below, they'd been a few miles below, there'd been a big old Guernsey bull that killed a colored man down there, and they had to sell him. So they sold him up near a city, uh, Henryville, Indiana up near the forestry. And I forgot about him selling that feller up there. I tuck out across the field to pray for this man. I got out there in the middle of the pasture. And when I did, all of a sudden, out of a little clump of bushes, up raised this big bull. And he's right there in the middle. I looked back and the fence was too far to run. No tree to get in. 
And there I was standing there, and here he comes. Something happened. I wish I, I wish that would happen all the time. It, it just don't do it. But when I see a real tremendous sick case, and something happens, it's not man. It's when God can get a hold of man. It's when it's consecrated. Watch on the platform when the visions happen. Watch when evil spirits moving up. Watch what takes place. It's a surrender of the Holy Spirit to the Holy Spirit. He comes in and takes over. Watch how he controls it. Just watch how it takes place. It's God, not man. And if we could only live in that. God, let us live there. Is that bull standing about 20 yards from me. Rolls and here he comes. Great on harm. Well, this is the end. And instead of hating that bull, it seems strange I loved him. I wish I could explain it. But let me tell you something, brother. You'll never come in contact with a greater force in this life than love. Yes, sir. I do not try to conquer demons by kicking them. I love God. See, love is what God is. God is love. Love moved God. God so loved the world. It's love. Love's what conquers. And when this big fellow started towards me, and I know it would be death in a few moments, something happened. There was something happened to me. And I loved him. I thought, poor fellow. He was asleep. I'm on his ground. I oughtn't to be here. And he started towards me as hard as he could. And I said, look, fella, you're God's creative being. I'm God's servant. And I'm on my road to pray for one of God's servants over here. I'm in the service of my Lord. I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now, you go back in the name of the Lord Jesus and lay down. I won't bother you. And he kept coming as hard as he could. I was no more afraid of that bull than I would be of my dear brother sitting here by me with a Bible on his lap. That's it. You're scared. People today is afraid. What you afraid of? Well, even death itself don't scare a Christian. Death, where is thy sting? The very thoughts of people is scared. Oh, Brother Branham, the doctor told me I just can't get well. What are you scared of? There's an atonement laying for you under. Sure. Well, Brother Branham, I've, I've done so much sins. I, what are you scared of? There's an atonement waiting for you. There's someone who loves you. Don't be scared. The constant words of Jesus, fear not. I'm he that was dead and is alive again and alive forevermore. Fear not. Get that atmosphere around you. Get that atmosphere. Now, he's a Methodist. He's a, a oneness. He's a Trinitarian. He's this or that. Get that out of your mind. I love him. He's my brother. She's a Catholic. She's a Protestant. She's a, get that out of your mind. Get an atmosphere around you. You will never do it standing out on this other court. You've got to come into Christ first, living his presence. The Bible spoke of he that overcometh. I'll give him a new name. I'll put my spirit in him. Watch this an overcoming first. You've got to overcome these things in order to be in Christ. 
That's where the church is failing in one place. Overcoming. Overcoming temperance. Temperance. Overcoming difference. Overcoming church prejudice. Overcoming hatred. Many people tonight who shout and speak with tongues and run up and down the aisle and hate their neighbor. That has, brother, you're lost yet. That's hard to say, but that's the truth. Right. Overcome. You can only overcome when you, you say, I'm eating man of glory to God. Yes, but look what happens from one day to the other. You get the missed meal cramps. Come on in where the man is fresh all the time. Whether your neighbor treats you right or not, you'll love him anyhow. That's right. Whether he agrees with you or not, you'll love him anyhow. That's the way you've got to do it. That's the end life. That's that consecrated life. That's that life that the veils of the world. And you're shut off from the things of the world. You only live in Christ. You see what I mean, church? I won't want to hurt your feelings. But I've got to stand with your judgment someday. I'm responsible for not telling the truth if I know it. That's right. Oh, I believe in all the shouting. I believe in speaking with tongues. And I believe in these things. But, brother, that's not all that goes with it. <laughs> no, it isn't. That's just one of the attributes of it. That's right. Have the real thing first and it'll produce the rest of this. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, have not I done this and cast out devils and done all these things in your name? You say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I didn't even know you. Be, be careful. Notice, in this pool, as you rushed on towards me, and me standing there, and I said, no, I won't bother you. You go lay down. And he run within five feet of me, stopped, looked so depleted. He looked one way and then the other, turned around and walked over and laid down, and I walked within ten foot of the bull right across the field. Never moved again. I went over and after I got across the field and stood there, I come to myself. And I thought, what happened? Then I began to weep and raise up my hands and praise God. I was cutting my yard last summer. I was going through the tower mower. People come in to be prayed for. I'd get out there and pull them over and mow the yard a little bit. And first thing you know, somebody come in, I have to run around the back and change my clothes, come in and pray for some sick. And a couple hours later, go out and start. And then maybe I make a couple rounds a day. The time I got to the backyard, the front yard's growed up again. And I was having such a time, people coming in. And I forgot, how many knows what a horn it is? And we said, big nest. There's a bunch of them that made a nest out there in the corner of the fence, in a little bush thing. And I was running this power mower through there, and in the backyard, nobody seen me. I took off my shirt. And I was just mowing away, and I hit this fence, and all of a sudden, I forgot those hornets were there, and I was covered all over in a few minutes with hornets. Some great big fellow, no shirt on. Well, at first, it scared me, but then it happened again. Something, I thought, poor little fellow. Over there in that nest in here, I, they wasn't bothering me. I disturbed them. I wish I knew what it was. But it's something that happens. And I thought, poor little fellows, here's what I said. I said, now you little creatures of God, God created you. I'm God's servant. I've got to hurry with this yard. And they just buzzing around. I wasn't afraid of it. And it's a... I said, now you run right back up into your nest in the name of the Lord Jesus, because i got to hurry and mow this yard. I won't bother you no more, because God's servants are waiting to be prayed for. And brother, and I'll meet you at judgment. They circled around me a few times, and one took lead, and the whole bunch of them went right back into the nest and quietened down. Glory to God! Atmosphere! God! That's right! 
There's something about it. Fear is a horrible thing. Did you ever notice a dog? The home that I'm staying in, a big shepherd. I walked into the yard today. Here come the big shepherd right through everybody because I love them. A Guchenbuehl over in Germany. As soon as I met the little old dogs would make up nobody. Here come the little dosh hounds and jumped on me. I love them. They know it. And if you really in your heart love people, they know it. You can't fool people. They're not that dumb. You can make out like you do. They can tell you're only putting on. And Satan can tell when you're putting on. But he knows when it's real. And the only way you might impersonate it, you might make a whole lot of things look like it, but you'll never get the job done until you come into Christ. That's right. Perfect, consecrated, godly love, sold out, lock, stock, and barrel. Come to Christ. That's it, friend. True. Look, it refreshed. Did you ever go out of the morning, I say, that refreshing feeling, the dew spell? Notice, did you ever go to the rose garden? I had also put blossoms out, the rod did. That aroma, that fragrance of the flower early in the morning, why? Everything's still. And every seed that goes into the ground, the dew is what makes it live again. It refreshes the dirt. And you take the seed of God and put it into a real good, flexible heart. That's not prejudice and indifferent. Just a nice, humble heart. And put that seed of God in there and let it go to growing and let it get alone to itself. The dew drops of glory go to falling on the soul. You'll see the sweetest, meekest, humblest Christian in your neighborhood that you've ever seen. That's right. And that's what we want. That's what, that's what the world needs. That's right, my Christian friend. Notice, in there also, there was a light. Now, outside of the outer courts, out there, the congregation, the regular congregation, they had the stars, they had the moon. I must hurry, but listen to this last remark. Now, I want to talk right straight to you. On the outside there, what light do they have? They had the light of the stars at night, the light of the moon. They had the light of the sun. Anytime a cloud could come over and upset the whole thing, they couldn't see out a wall. The night, sometimes clouds shut off the moon and stars, and daytime the sun wouldn't shine for days and weeks. That's the way the experience is out yonder. That's right. Let little trouble comes up and you backslide. You go off here yonder. You go from one church to another and pack your paper from one place to another. I won't go to Baptist no more because I tell you, I just don't like them over there. The Methodist mysteries and you run over to Pentecostal and then from there down to Nazarene. See, you're living in the outer courts. Just any little thing. Old worldly lights can shut you off. Well, you come down and say, no, I've come farther than that, Brother Branham. I've tasted of the Lord. I know he's good. That's good. All right, you're here at the first altar then. You're at the holy place. But remember, they had light too, but it was artificial. They had a seven-point lamp that give light. Them lights sometimes got low. Sometimes they smoked up. You know what a light is. Sometimes it went out. And that's the way it is in that kind of a light. When you're just living out here, say, well, I, I believe all right, but I just can't go all the way at this, and I don't believe this and that. I believe so much, and, and my church don't teach it. Well, I couldn't accept it. See, you're smoking up. The least little thing comes along, your chimney gets all smoked up. The first thing you know, a light goes out. But look on the inside. Oh, brother, the man that once went in there, what did he come in there? He, every earthly light, every artificial light was shut off from him. And the only light he had was under the wings of the cherubims was the Shekinah light. 
a real soft, holy light that never went out. I don't care what the sun did, what the lamps did, what anything else. He that lived in that presence walked in the light day and night. That's where we need to be. No matter what your experience is, if it's heartaches, if it's troubles, if it's upsets, if it's this, that, or the other, you're still walking in the light of God. You're living in the Shekinah glory, living there where Jesus is, in His presence, and all things work together for good to them that love God. And you love Him, and you're walking in that mellow, soft, sweet, humble Christian life. Wouldn't you like to walk like that? There's not a person in here but what we want to live in there. And friends, that's where you should live. If you want to know the secret of this, of life, if you want to know why these things is, one day, by the grace of God, He took me in there. That's right. That's what does it. It's nothing in yourself. You don't live for yourself no more. You live for others. Today I was looking at a little picture that is passing out here of me. I looked out and I thought, my. I looked at my wife and I thought, I said, my, honey, look here. I'm really an old man, ain't I? I said, just a few years ago, I remember, why, that don't seem like it's been no time ago. I seemed to be a boy. I remember used to stand and comb a shock of black hair. And my wife said to me not long ago, she said, Billy, you're getting bald-headed, honey. I said, but honey, you know what? I haven't lost a one of them. She said, you haven't? I said, no. She said, where are they? And I said, I want to ask you something. Where was they before I got them? Everywhere they was then, they are now waiting for me. Some glorious day my Lord will come and everything I'll return back. I'm living across the riven veil where the glories never fail. We're living in the presence of the King. Hallelujah. I'm on the altar sanctified, oh glory to His name. Across the riven veil where the glories never fail for we're living in the presence of the King. Come glorious day, this little old body of mine is melting away, you little gray-headed mothers and daddies out there. A few years ago, you walked with her to the altars, a sweetheart, a beautiful girl. But nature, you see how it's going away, but one of these glorious days, Jesus shall come from in the presence of God, and everything that we was in our best, we'll return again and be with Him forever. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! What is these bodies made out of? A little cosmic light, a few atoms and a petroleums and so forth put together that God brought out of the dust of the earth and painted a picture. And we're only living in the negative now. And some glorious day, death will develop the picture and we'll return again. And a new glorified body to never be old, never be sick, never have a heartache. It behooves you, brother, to enter in at the court veil, shut the world off around you, and consecrate yourself to Christ, and live a consecrated life. Don't you believe that? Certainly it is. Oh, that's the life to live. How many of you here say, Brother Branham, by the grace of God, I'd like to live that kind of life? Raise your hand. I'd like to live that kind of life. God bless you. I believe we need that, don't you? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father... As we see the day approaching, we know that life is threads are brittle. We're walking on them. Many of us have done come up to the top of the hill to see the setting of the sun. Brows are frosting. Look out over this audience tonight and see it. Many gray-headed brothers and sisters sitting here, knowing it's just a few more days, we cross over. As young people sitting here, Lord, will go before them. And then, Lord, this little speck of time 
will all change. It'll be an eternity then. We must stand in His presence to give an account of this life. Oh, Jesus, you give us these bodies. You consecrated them. We have to you. But, Lord, I pray tonight that you'll take every person here up into the veil tonight, cross over, away from differences, the different church entities and denominations and inferior things. And, Father, may they come into thy glorious presence and live in the divine light of the Lord Jesus. Grant it, Lord. May every soul here be consecrated to God. We ask in Jesus' name. Now, I wonder with our heads bowed now, if somebody would walk right up here now to this altar, stand right here in this sawdust with me tonight while the organs are playing, just to get the meeting started. Say, Brother Branham, by God's help, tonight I'm consecrating myself, and I'm going to pray right now for God to give me that hidden life with Him. So I'll quit noticing the things of the world, noticing other people and little old differences that comes up in church and I want to come to him where I can really live for him. Would you come up here and stand around the altar for a word of prayer? I wonder if you would do it. God bless you, my brother. That's fine. That's good. Come right up here. Say, I'm ready tonight. I'm going to offer prayer for God. To, uh, he'll consecrate my life tonight. To take me in that inner veil. Right now, I'm coming to ask him. And I'm sure he'll do it. The Lord bless you. That's wonderful. Oh, Coming up now for a consecrated life. Friend, if he hears my prayer to open the eyes of the blind, make the lame to walk, the dumb to talk, I've seen him raise three or four dead people from the dead. I'm not a fanatic. You'll know that later on. I'm only telling you the truth because I'm responsibly before God. Surely he'll hear tonight for this consecrated life. Look at this host of people. I want to meet you, brother. I want to meet you, sister, in a better land than this. And just as certain as I'm a minister standing here, you're my brother and sister standing there wanting a closer walk with God. Why wouldn't he give it to you? He promised him. He said he could. Now it's us to make up our mind, isn't it? It's us to believe. And I believe he'll do it now. I believe he'll make every one of you. A new life. Hallelujah. I just love half the audience is standing here at the altar. Great bunch of the rest of them are still coming for a prayer of consecration. Giving our lives, training ourselves. Lord, I'm tired of having to pray through every other day. I want to settle it all. I want to come into the inner court now. I'm coming behind the veil tonight. I'm coming in with you. I don't care what anybody else says, nothing. I'm coming in, Lord. Your eye will abide forever in your presence. I don't want the world's life. I want a consecrated life with you. I want my life to start right now in this revival. And when the revival breaks in a few days, and the lame goes to walk in the blind sea, testimonies ringing out through the country. I want to be a part in that. And now I'm consecrating my life. And maybe during this revival, you'll use me. Take you. You can be used just the same as a preacher or anyone else. Sure you can. Is there a sinner friend here tonight that will walk up and say, God, now I'm coming to give my life to you. 
I want to get every sinner that's in here. Is there a sinner would raise your hand and say, pray for me, brother. I haven't got courage to come, but I want you to pray. There's many standing around the altar raising their hands. Sinners that's come to give their lives to Christ. Someone back in the audience yet? Sinners? About two-thirds of the people's around the altar. Will you come? Let's sing just as I am, if you will, my brother. All right. Somebody. by the Syrians. On the inside, there was nothing to eat. They were eating one another's children because they had sinned and turned from God. The Syrian army had it backed off the earth. They couldn't go that way. If they did, they died. And they couldn't stay here any longer because they were going to die. They only had one hope. That was go down to the camp of the Syrians. If they saved them, they'd live. If they didn't, they was going to die anyhow. So they turned and started towards the camp of the Syrians, the enemy. God rewarded them. Caused a great rumble to come on the desert and run all the Syrians away. They didn't only save themselves, they saved the whole city. Now tonight, many of you standing here are Pentecostal people. That's had the great experience of speaking in tongues of baptism and so forth. But have never yet come into that consecrated life. You still have a place there. See, you're eating manna. I'll go into more details tomorrow night because I'm dealing easy on it because I realize the ground I'm standing on. But now, see, you're coming up to a place. Now you realize there's a hidden place in Christ where you can be hid. That all your enemies, you'll love them. There's something about that you want people to love you. You want to be lovely. And if you want people to be lovely, you have to be lovely yourself. And you can't be, if you put it on, it just won't work. It won't, they know it. You can't put anything on, don't make belief. That's what's the matter with our country today. There's too much make belief in this religious works. There's too many people making belief, trying to impersonate Christianity, trying to do something to act like Christians. That won't work, friends. God knows that, the devil knows it, and the people know it. You've got to be genuine, you've got to be original. God will honor it. You may not go like a mushroom, but I'd rather be an oak any time than a mushroom. Come easy, come slow. Get your roots grounded and fast and right. Then you can come on. Now tonight, as your brother and your servant in the Lord Jesus, let me ask you something. Do this to yourself and mean it. Come to the Lord Jesus. Say, God, you know what my fault is. You know I have these little things I have to battle every day. And I have a hard time of doing it. That's why I'm standing here. You sinners that's never come to Christ before, come to him and say, Lord, here I am. I'm Aaron's old rod. I'm no good. But Lord, I'm going to lay right at your feet tonight. 
Watch how the blossoms begin to come out. Watch how the fruits begin to yield. Now really mean it from the bottom of your heart. And God will take each one of you tonight right into His kingdom. Consecrate your lives. It might happen right at this present time. I believe it will. I'm not a person. I'm not emotional. I'm not a worked up affair. I believe in real, solid, sane, holy ghost religion. That's right. This is as pure and holy. That's true, brother. And that's what I'm here to teach. That's what I'm here to introduce. I want you to come like that tonight to the Lord Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to come in. Now, you give me this tabernacle, and I brought it up to justification. I joined the church. Well, I haven't yet been consecrated. Lord, I've come and I've tried to believe a church life, but I've had my ups and downs. Now I want to go into the consecrated place. Come in, Lord. Take me out of the world and I drop the curtains around me and let me hide off with thee here in thy Shekinah glory where the glory of the Lord shines. And listen, friends, how many of you have seen the picture of the angel of the Lord we've had taken in the meeting? Said, right here, I'll maybe have it in a few days here. With God, my judge, and you know, I, I, I'm telling you the truth. That same Lord Jesus, I'm having a hard time right now to battle the anointing away from that anointing for healing because there's a sick man standing right back here. It's very, very bad. And I see it right now. And that light of God that you see in the picture that even the, the American Photographer Association have it, Washington, D.C. copyright, it's right here now. That's the truth of my ever told. That's true. It's right here. I, I know it. You'll find out a little later on in the week that I'm telling you the truth. Now let's bow our heads humbly. And each one of you now just humbly, sanely, just give yourself over to the Lord Jesus. Say, tonight, Lord, I promise I'm coming and I'm going to serve you from tonight on. I'm going to hide my life away. Take me in, Lord, and lay me by the Shekinah glory. Now, Heavenly Father, as I, your servant, bring these, your dear loving children, standing around the altar. How could they come except they were hungry? And if you're hungry, there's something causing that hunger. The deep calling to the deep. There's something in them that speaks. There's a different life. There's more of God. And as sure as it's hungering in here, there's a deep to respond to it. There's a more God here for them to receive. And Father, won't you take them in now to the inner courts tonight? Each one of them in thy loving care. They've got their heads bowed. They're standing here consecrating themselves. They love you, Lord Jesus. And they've had things that they want to overcome. Granted just now, Lord, with outstretched arms appear to each one of them. And take them into the courts of God now. And may they be consecrated from this night on. May the Holy Ghost and glory just now overshadow each one of them. And give them into their heart that deep, settled, sweet disposition. Oh, that you can live with God. A disposition, a change of nature that makes them love you and not question you. But just go on living for you, consecrated and filled with your spirit. God, may it be settled in every heart here tonight as they're praying. We love you, Jesus. And thou hast bid us to come. You said, come, ask anything that you will to my Father. Ask it in my name. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you, you said. And Lord, you have to keep your word. You're God. And we come. And we're asking. And we shall receive it. 
is because you said you would give it to us. And now we believe it and accept it by arms of faith, by tear-stained eyes, by uplifted hands, by consecrated hearts. We accept the new life, the power of the Holy Ghost, the hiding away, the Shekinah glory, the baptism of love and power and service. We command it, Lord, and accept it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen.